You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. With me is Matt Adams. And Matt, uh, I know the listeners can't see, but you can. I am still at the edge of my seat here from that Colts game yesterday. It was ugly. It was, I'm sure, not how the coaches uh, envisioned the performance going in this game. But the Colts sneak past the Broncos 15-13. to 13. Well, it's funny, Joe, because it's a game that they should have won on paper, but then after watching the game unfold, I'm not sure they should have won yeah. that game. Just kind of one of those. Um, I mean, they were they were uh, up against it. Uh, Venetari missing the field goal and the extra point, so they were down by a point at the end of the game. Uh, they didn't have good field position, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later. But you know, it basically uh, a miraculous play that they got from uh, Jacoby Brissett that uh, enabled them to get in the field goal position. Uh, get out, get out of that hole in field position, and go down the field and get the get the field goal to win the game. So uh, <laughs> I just I couldn't believe it when when it happened. Absolutely, yeah. Like you alluded to, it was one of those games where on paper the Colts should have won, but based on the way they played and what they're capable of playing up to, um, they almost just lost themselves that game. Um, but nonetheless, the Colts move on to five and two. This is the seventh straight game decided by seven points or fewer for the Colts. And that is the first time since the 1970 merger that a team has opened the season 5-2, and two, having all their games decided by seven points or fewer. There has not been a boring Colts game this year, at least at the very end. They've all been interesting. Yeah, and even this one, like you, you kind of felt like when, when they didn't convert the first down, the first time they got the ball at the end of the game there, you know, they... Challenged the offensive pa- or the, the defensive pass interference call. They got that one, but they didn't do anything with that drive. So they gave the ball back to Denver. Uh, they didn't get a particularly. Uh, they got a good punt, but they had to punt from like deep in their own end zone. There wasn't much room for Sanchez. And then they, they gave the ball over to, to Denver. They stopped him, and you know they were they were, they had some timeouts. They had the two minute warning, so they were able to go back and uh, they were able to pull it out. But it, it was looking pretty grim there for a long time in that game. It really was. Um... Jacoby Brissett, he had a rough day. He was really, um, this was the most pressure that has been, um, Brissett has been hit with this entire year. He was sacked four times, hit another eight times, so they were all over him. Um, he had only been sacked seven times all season entering the game. So Denver really had their way with this Colts offensive line. This was probably the Colts offensive line's worst outing of the season as oh, well. By by far. I mean because even even when uh, Jacoby Brissett wasn't getting sacked, as you mentioned, he was getting hurried, he was getting rushed. He got hit a ton in this game. Um you know, a lot of it starts with the back end on Ven- Denver. They've got a really good secondary back there. Uh, the Colts, you know, and they've other than than Hilton and and he wasn't winning his one-to-one matchups. Nobody else was winning the one-to-one matchups. So that defensive line was just teeing off and and the Colts you know, and, and it was it was left side. We had Costanza with a holding penalty. He got beat for one. Uh, the right side they were coming through. They came through the middle. Uh, just I, yeah, I think the Colts offensive line had a tough day. They did do okay okay in the running game. It wasn't like a banner running game like we're used to seeing, but they were fairly effective when they ran. They just didn't. Uh, they weren't able to find that effectiveness on a consistent basis like during a drive. Absolutely, and you know, you know Von Miller's going to get his, and he certainly you know, uh, made himself well acquainted to Jacoby Brissett, but 
what was surprising to me was even the pressure from up the middle. You yes, know, you think yes. guys like Nelson and Kelly and even Glowinski, who is a solid player, can do the job in the middle. And Denver really got pressure from the inside and the outside. Um, Brissett had six rush attempts uh, in this game, and a lot of it was just him escaping pressure, having nowhere else to go with the ball. So he'll just head down the field uh, a season high, 34 yards. Um, the Colts had just 69 passing yards at halftime. Definitely not what you're looking for. They turned it on a little bit in the second half or, you know, what they needed to. Brissett finished with 202 passing yards on 5 of 25 attempts. No touchdowns for the first time this season for Jacoby Brissett. Um, 15 of 25. Did I say five of twenty five? Yes, yes, that you would did. have been a much worse day. You might have been talking about Notre Dame quarterback <laughs> Ian Book uh, for that one. That was a rough one on Saturday for the Irish. No, excuse me, fifteen of twenty five. So not really for what Brissett had to work with. I thought he played well. Um, like you said, Chris Harris was all over T. Y. Hilton. He is continually one of the more overlooked cornerbacks in the league, and he might be having his best season at thirty plus years old for Denver. So. Um, Outside of T.Y. Hilton, there really was not a whole lot going on for the Colts. Um, Hilton had two catches on six targets for 54 yards. Um, He had a 35-yard reception, which we'll get to shortly. That was really the play of the game, maybe the play of the season for the Colts Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. we'll get to that just a little bit later and gush a little bit about more about that play. Oh, yeah. Um, But we've been talking about it all year, and the Colts really got nothing out of the rest of their receiver core. Uh, Zach Paschal played 92% of the snaps, saw just two targets. Um, I mean, other than T.Y. Hilton, the Colts receivers combined for two catches for 13 yards on five targets. Man, it was was a rough one, man. Uh, And again, because of Denver's uh, capabilities in the the secondary, uh, they were able to kind of scheme some stuff last week to get Pascal open. And they, they were not able to do that this week, and, and Denver was just all over those guys. Uh, the only places where the, the Colts found success, they did have uh, some limited success with Jack Doyle on uh, that touchdown drive. And I think Naheem Hines um, had a couple nice catches, but again, those are not where your wide receivers making plays. And, and Hilton, uh, really, aside from the jaw-dropping play that, that he and Brissett made at, toward the end of that game, uh, he was contained probably for the first non-injury time this season. He just really couldn't get much going. Yeah, Chris Harris, sh- Chris Harris shadowed him and, and really kept him uh, under wraps there. Um, back to Pascal a little bit. He seems to... While Devin Funches is still working his way back from injury, he seems to have established himself as the number two wide receiver on this Colts team. A lot of that is due to his ability to block very well on a team that wants to be run heavy. But the other side is the Colts just really aren't getting anything out of their young guys. Um, Paris Campbell returned this game, played just 12% of the offensive snaps, did not catch his only target. Chester Rogers played 62% of the snaps. Um, Ashton Doolin played 6% of the snaps, and Deion Kane was a healthy scratch. I was going to say, how many targets did Deion Kane have this week? And oh, zero. Didn't even suit up, which was surprising. I, I think we can officially say the hype train has crashed. Oh, yes, yes. It went off the it, it went off the rails. I uh, As of a few weeks ago, I was still a believer. Uh, I, I can't be anymore. It's over now. He's still just 23 years old. Kind of begs the question, were we maybe expecting too much out of a six-round pick? And, you know, uh, 
Frank Wright said something last week of we really still view this guy as a rookie. He missed his entire season with the ACL. So maybe, you know, training camp is great. Maybe Colts fans were just expecting a little bit too much out of a late draft pick who did fall in the draft. Let's not act like, you know, he's not talented. He certainly has the talent, but... Um, he has not put it together th- thus far this season. Well, I, I do think it's a lot of the training camp hype. And, and for the last few seasons since the Colts have had T.Y. Hilton, it's just always been, can they find a number two guy? We went through the same thing uh, for longtime Colts fans when Marvin Harrison was with the Colts. Can they find another number two guy? And they finally got one in Reggie Wayne. And so you were kind of hoping that Deion Kane would be that guy. And from all indications in training camp, from what the coaching staff was talking about, the kind of catches he was making, it looked like he was going to be that guy. Uh, but the fact that you know that he was a healthy scratch this week is pretty telling. Uh, that uh, they didn't like the matchups, they didn't think that he was going to help him much this week, so they went ahead and benched him. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty disappointing for a player who had Colts fans had had high hopes with. Um, you mentioned Jack Doyle. He actually led the team in receiving, both in receptions and yards. He went four for sixty-one on five targets. Hines, who you mentioned as well, caught all three of his targets for 34 yards. And Ebron uh, put in another three catches for, I wrote down 36. I believe it was actually 26 here. Let me take a quick look. Yeah, Ebron had 26 yards. So really not a whole lot in the passing game here. Um, The Colts, this was a game where both the Colts and the Broncos wanted to slow things down. That's how both of these teams are going to win this season. And the Colts just squeaked past them. Um, And a lot of that, well, the running game was decent. It was not great. I think that can be attributed in part to the lack of a threat in the passing game. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It goes back to, I mean, they didn't run the ball particularly well. Um, Or they ran the ball ball well at times, but it just couldn't consistently get it going because there was no threat of the run, uh, no real threat of the pass. So, you know, they just couldn't get much done. Exactly. Uh, Marlon Mack, 19 attempts for 76 yards, which equates to exactly 4.0 yards per carry. He did score the Colts' only touchdown, and he also caught his only target for 14 yards. So not a bad day, 90 yards from scrimmage and a TD for Marlon Mack. You will certainly take that. Um, A unit that did do their job was the defense. They they did their job against a really underwhelming Broncos offense. Yeah, yeah. became even more underwhelming when they traded away Emmanuel Sanders. I was going to say, there's just not... Uh, they've got a couple decent running backs, but outside of that, there's just not There's not much around yeah, Joe yeah. Flacco, it felt like. Sutton, you can get excited about Sutton. Sutton's good, but... Um, and he definitely gave Rocky seen Did he just get flagged again, as a matter of fact? <laughs> I think he did. <laughs> <I> think. <laughs> um, he gave him fits, uh, but other than that, there's really it really felt to me like Denver just didn't have a lot of threats at all in their on, on their offensive side. Yeah, they they didn't. It, you have to wonder how much of that is Joe Flacco um, just being just being very lackluster as a quarterback. And, and on the tail end, the back end of his career, you know, this he, isn't even the best Joe Flacco. Right. This is not the the <laughs> best. The is Joe Flacco elite conversation that we were having uh, several years ago, several several years ago now. Um, but still, I think he's a solid. He's a solid enough NFL quarterback that if he's got some pieces, I think Denver could win some games. Um, but obviously, they they did not uh, pull this one out. So. They did not. Um, three sacks for the Colts today, or I guess yesterday, I should say. Justin Houston had one. Darius Leonard had one, and rookie Ben Banigou had one as well. His first 
whole sack of his career. He had a half sack previously. So um, Banigou really had a nice day out there, got pressure on Joe Flacco quite a bit. Um, the right tackle, Juwan James, went down with injury, and Banigou was too athletic for their backup. Well, and, and I mean, we talked about a little pre-show huddle that we did here. If you look at the stat line, there's really not much that, that Banigou has, but sometimes it goes beyond stats. And to me, anyway, watching the game, just kind of the casual observer, a fan perspective, it looked to me like he was in the backfield quite a bit. Um, he didn't always get a hit on the guy, on Flacco. Sometimes he did, um, but he was there. And uh, he finally got home at probably the most, I mean, I know there wasn't much time left and it was going to be um, really hard for the Broncos to get into field goal range with their timeout situation and everything. But still, to finally just kind of put the nail in the coffin on that, I thought it was a big play for a rookie. Yeah, it really was. He, he, he uh, put the closing stamp on that game, said, we're done here. Um, let's go home. Other players on the defense that had nice days, Darius Leonard, per usual, I mean, can, can we just expect 10 tackles per game by now? He put in another 10 tackles, a sack, two tackles for a loss. Um, he's really amazing out there, one of the best defenders in the league. I mean, there, there was, I, I forget who he was, who, who he tackled, but there was just, you know, there, he was pretty much on uh, the other side of the field, goes side, pretty much not really sideline to sideline, but you know what I'm talking about. That yeah. lateral speed, just able to get over there and stop a guy for like a short gain. Uh, where he wasn't even really in on that play, but he's the one who ended it. And, and that's the kind of stuff that you get from Darius Leonard. And sometimes he intercepts the ball at the end of the game and wins it for you, too. So uh, that, that guy's a great player for the Colts, and I hope he can, I, I think he will continue, continue that because double digit tack, tackles, a sack, uh, passes defense, it's what you expect from him. He really does it all, and um, a, a cornerstone for this Colts defense for hopefully a long time. Um, another player who had a good game on defense, Clayton Gathers, eight tackles and a tackle for a loss. Anthony Walker, who continues to be overlooked, seven tackles and one and a half tackles for a loss. Um, what I found interesting in the secondary, Pierre Desir did not play due, a, due to a hamstring. He kind of got in practices throughout the week. You assumed he would play because it was kind of the same scenario as against Houston. He was limited throughout the week with the hamstring, ended up playing. Hamstring did not allow him to do that this week. And with Desir out, that made the healthy scratch of Quincy Wilson even more surprising. Um, former second-round pick who had high expectations. You know, there was talk about how immature he was coming into the league. They're saying he's grown out now. Still a healthy scratch. It, it really just makes you scratch your head. Well, yeah. I, when I looked at the game day inactives and I saw Desir was on there, I was like, oh, that's too bad. But then I saw that Quincy Wilson was on there, and I, I thought that was odd because, you know, they've been a little banged up in the secondary. I know Malik Hooker's back, and I know Gathers is back and everything from some injuries and, and such. But I thought, you know, Wilson's a guy who knows the, the defense pretty well and has actually shown some uh, some development in the last year or so. And I thought he'd be a good guy to have in your pocket if you needed somebody out there, um, you know, and uh, they didn't put him out there. So does that mean they're going to, you know, maybe try to move him or something? I know there's been a lot of speculation about that, but then they decided to go with the rookie, Rocky Yassin there, and uh, boy, he had a rough one. He really did. Um, he got torched on the outside by Cortland Sutton, who... If casual fans aren't aware, Cortland Sutton is quickly becoming one of the better wide receivers in the NFL. I would almost even say he's a top 
at least top 25 wide receiver, maybe top 20. Very good second-year player. Um, and he made a fool at Iraq Yassin. There, there's really no other way to put it. Five penalties on Yassin. Um, one of them ended up being declined. Sutton ended up with three catches for 70-some yards, but far uh, a lot of extra yards from penalties. A lot of defensive holding, a lot of, a lot of pass interference, and, I mean, the thing is... Sometimes when you, when you watch these games and you'll you'll see some contact between guys, you're like, oh, that's a little bit on the questionable side. But uh, really, for Yasin this week, none of those were particularly yeah. questionable. He got torched, like you said. Yeah, he really did. Um, you know, aside from you know Colts fans being frustrated with Yasin, fantasy owners of Cortland Sutton have to be frustrated as well because he could have had a much bigger game. Right, and he settles for seventy some yards, and he probably could have had double that. He, could have had like a buck fifty and at least the one touchdown that you see yes, held yes. and he, he could have caught up to that ball. So that actually probably would have been a good good well, penalty. Right. In that yeah. Situation. I mean, th- there are some things. I mean, I, I heard um, in Jacoby Brissett's uh, post game conference there at the, at the end, he said, you know, there were some times where we had some plays and you know maybe they got held up by the the secondary and maybe they took a penalty you know a five yard holding penalty or whatever um, that prevented that play from being a big play. Sometimes a penalty, a pass interference penalty, is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just since it was just continually happening to Yasin, it feels a lot worse. Absolutely, yeah, but that can be expected from a rookie cornerback. I mean, cornerback is one of the most difficult positions to transition from, from the college level to the pros. After the game, Frank Wright said he'll learn from it. He's been playing great for us. He'll learn from this and get better. And really, you know, coming into the league and what the Colts have boasted about Yusin is his ability to be short-minded in that he doesn't linger on his mistakes. Right, right. He he's already he makes a mistake, he's already on to the next play. Um, and so he seems to have the mental toughness that a game like this game will not break him, and he'll be able to use it to his benefit going forward. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, they clearly have confidence in the kid and keeping him out there. Uh, I, I do think if they had Wilson active in this game, that it would have been okay for them to bring him onto the sideline for a series and just kind of let him cool down and maybe think a little bit more about his technique. Um, but yeah, they didn't have that. So he had to go into the fire and it, sometimes it works out for you. Well, sometimes it doesn't in this particular game. It didn't, but the, the good thing is the sense I get from the coaching staff, they really like him. They think he's mentally tough and really do expect that he'll rebound from this next week. Yeah, Yassin and Darius Leonard were the two defensive players to play 100% of the snap. So they did not pull him when times right. got tough. They stuck with him. And that's really something this coaching staff has um, praised and been about from the beginning. They stuck with Adam Vinatieri through his struggles. And he had some more struggles had him again. on Sunday. Yep. Uh, missed a 45-yard field goal. Also missed an extra point that would have tied the game. Um, really... When he missed the field goal and then missed the extra point, you go, oh, boy, is this another one? Like, are, are we back to where we were a few weeks ago? But he ended up being three or four on field goals, made multiple 50-yarders. And overall in the day, you got to feel like Vinatieri is still good enough going forward. I mean, you got to think he's still going to miss a few down the stretch here. He's going to have games like this where he misses multiple kicks. You just hope he gets it together and makes the ones that count. I was going to say, if this is just, you know, just a complete – imaginary scenario, but if, if Vinatieri hadn't had the start that he had to the season and say he missed the 45-yarder but hit the extra point, 
people would be like, ah, well, you know, even even the great ones miss a kick on occasion. The problem is he missed those kicks earlier in the year, and he, you know, the first I felt like the field goal that he missed to that was their first drive. I felt like that just sort of set the tone for the entire game. That it just things just weren't going to be easy today. You know, we can't even really get up there and get get a forty five yard field goal from a guy who's usually going to hit those. And then he missed the extra point, and that's the one that really was a killer. Um, it felt like a killer at the time because the Colts had sort of clawed their way back into the game. Uh, points were at a premium, so you needed to, to capitalize when you were able to be in scoring position because that Denver defense was just so fierce on Sunday. He misses that one, and then all of a sudden, you know, instead of being tied, you're down by a point. He hits that field goal. It changes the entire complexion of the end of that ball game as far as what Denver's trying to do on offense, what Denver needs to do on offense, and what the Colts are going to have to do to respond. Um, you know, because let, let's face it, if, if he'd, the whole sequence of events in the fourth quarter would have played out completely differently if they were tied than if they were down by a point. That brings up an interesting point in that after the game, Joe Flacco expressed his frustration, saying we played not to lose at the end of the game. Like, we're a 2-5 and five football team. Why don't we go out there and be aggressive? We need one, you know, they needed a first down to win the game and didn't get it because they played so conservatively. If that's a tie game, if Finitary had made that extra point and it is 13-13, to 13, the Broncos are definitely playing more aggressive in that situation, and they might pick up the first down instead of, like Flacco said, just playing not to lose. So that's definitely interesting. You know, you, you certainly will take the point 10 times out of 10, but that's an interesting dynamic on how the end of the game played out there. Well, and I, I just don't understand why they would want to play it so conservatively either. Because I know they, they don't want to turn the ball over. You know, they don't want to pick up the big penalty or turn the ball over and, and give the Colts a better field position or something like that. But if the Broncos are able to get some first downs, they can run out the clock. If they're able to do a little bit more on some of the other drives and get a field goal, they're up by four points. And then now the Colts, with very little time left being in the field position that they are, have to get a touchdown instead of just a field goal. So I kind of agree with Fleck on that. I thought they played it just a – and I understand it's not a dynamic offense, and I, I also understand that their defense is dynamic and has been able to hold down the Colts, and you figure they can get one more stop. But, you know, you had the chance to kind of just control your own destiny in that game and on the offensive side. They never really – they really never did that. I think that what that came down to was defensive head coach Vic Fangio saying, I trust my defense more than I do my offense. Um, You know, the Colts had the ball in the game-winning drive, I think, at the 11-yard line. Um, Fangio will probably take that scenario nine times out of ten. It just happened to be the one time that the Colts were able to get something going. Um, Let's go ahead and talk about that game-winning drive now. So the Colts... It, it was really the one play that made the drive, the play of the game. You could probably even call it the play of the year. This was really oh. a defining moment for Jacoby Brissett. This may be this may be overstating it because we got a lot of football left thus far. Thus play far. of the year thus far. Uh, well, no, you're not, you're not overstating it. What I'm about to say is okay. because that is definitely the Colts' play of the year, uh, no no doubt. Um, but we'll have to see how the 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 the, the, the uh, year plays out for the Colts from from here on out. But if they have positive things continue to happen to the Colts, then this is the play that will be writing the legend of Jacoby Brissett. Because this was, I know it's a season game against a 2-6 and six team and, and everything, but 
that was an amazing, incredible play that I don't think many players in the NFL could pull off. No, no, only a handful of players. And so the defense made the stop to get the ball back. Colts have first and 10 on the 11. I believe there was about a minute and 48 seconds left um, around that. Brissett escapes the grasp of Von Miller, who kind of twists inside, pretty much unblocked. Um, you know, obviously Von Miller probable future hall of famer i don't think that's going out on a limb to say i don't believe so he's able to um kind of spin away from his grasp and also elude Derek wolf who had a nice game as well Mm -hmm. he was bearing down on him rolling to the right makes a laser throw to ty hilton who i mean chris harris is not far from him no and he does the toe tap on the sideline uh, they looked at it because it was under two minutes, and it's pretty much just a highlight for Brissett and Hilton because they played that. They showed that play over and over and over again, and it, it was pure. It was good. Uh, Frank Wright said of that play, maybe a couple quarterbacks in the league can make that play, and we've got one of them. I mean, the arm strength that it takes to be rolling that way and hit that on the sideline, it's unbelievable. And then the strength that it takes, just like the physical strength, to avoid spin out of a tackle from Von Miller. you got two guys coming at you on defense to get out there and then find a receiver because I thought he might take off and yeah. that wouldn't have – it wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world. They wouldn't have gotten a whole lot of yardage out of it, but at least it wouldn't have been a negative play. But to find Tilton on that for a 35-yard gain in a game in which the Colts could get nothing going on offense, it, it blew my mind. I just could not believe what I was seeing. It, it, it might have been the play of the week across the NFL as far as the degree of difficulty and the importance in that game. Um, that was just incredible. Like you said, maybe a defining moment for Jacoby Brissett. I mean, I before the game, I was just c- kind of talking with col- casual Colts fans, and they were talking about, yeah, I like the Colts this year, but I don't know. You know, maybe if they had a above-average quarterback. And I, I, I just kind of looked back at him, and I was like, are you saying Brissett's not above average? Because I think... To this point, he has definitely played above average. I mean, I brought up the stats, kind of just debating them a little bit. Second most touchdowns in the league. Like, what more does the guy need to do? And they said he has not had a defining moment where he had to will his team to victory, put the thing on his shoulders. Well, here it is. Um, It it was an ugly win, but I remember the Super Bowl year in 06, the Colts were not blowing everyone out that year. That was the year where Bob Sanders, I believe, won defensive player. Actually, he came back. He came back for the playoffs. That was the year when the Colts kind of grinded things out. They did not do what fans were accustomed to. And the Peyton Manning, you know, Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne win by 20 points a game. And that paid off in the playoffs because once you get to the playoffs, you're not going to be beating teams by 20 points. You're going to have to win ugly. You're going to have to win these close games. And... I think games like the one on Sunday are really going to pay dividends for the entire team moving forward. Well, and, and I mean that's all the Colts games have been close, as you as you mentioned, seven points or or one possession game every game this season. Yeah, uh, they've come out on top five out of those seven games, and it's probably going to be the, it's pretty much the same way all year. Even though they've got some teams that aren't very good left on the schedule, you can't guarantee that you're going to go and beat that team by two or three touchdowns. Now. Denver's a little bit of an exception to that because their record's not good, but their defense is awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, But they were able to pull that game out. And 
you just think it's going to pretty much proceed like this for the Colts for the most season. I mean, even when Jacoby Brissett had his career day last week, that was a one-possession game at the end. They needed a, a turnover at the end to seal that game. But that will pay off, assuming that the Colts, you know, if the Colts can get into the playoffs, that will pay off because you're going to see these same type of grinded-out games where it comes down to can your guy make a play. And I, I do feel like for a lot of fans, and, and I do understand the sentiment of can Jacoby Brissett make a play? Because you're used to Andrew Luck running around back there and making some insane throw to T.Y. Hilton. Well, Brissett did it. He, um, he put the team on his back, said, hey, we got to make a play, and he made a play. And that was another thing, you know, when I kind of had that conversation they were talking about, I don't, all the games are so close, even against bad teams. I, I want to see the Colts just put the whooping on somebody and prove that they're in five and two football team, that they're one of the best teams in the league. You know, you look at the better teams like the Patriots and they're just blowing everybody out. I, I, I said, I don't, I don't care how much they win by it. It doesn't really matter. A win's a win, a victory's a victory. And, there are, I think you learn more lessons from these close games than you do the blowouts. Yeah, I, I mean, and I don't, I'm not going to disparage the New England Patriots, although it's one of my favorite pastimes. Uh, but you look at their schedule, it's not, it's not been a tough schedule. They've not played really anybody uh, aside from maybe the Buffalo Bills. Uh, that's a pretty decent football team, but even they had a rough game this week. Uh, it's been a pretty easy schedule for the Patriots, and they have just been racking up the points. And that's a good football team. I'm not trying to take away the fact that they are, but you just don't know when they do get into a situation where they're in a close game, they've not faced that test yet. Now, obviously, Tom Brady has done it dozens and dozens of times in his career, but as a team, they have not this year, and you just wonder what's going to happen when they do. Now, the the answer to that is probably going to be they find a way to win it because it's Belichick and it's Brady. But, you know, with the Colts now, we do know when they get in those game situations, I mean, even the Chargers game, which they lost, they got the ball at the end of the game, had a chance, you know, they needed to, to score to tie it up, and they did it. Now, they lost the, that game in overtime, um, but they were still able to do that. So in, in these situations where the Colts have had their backs against the wall or they've needed to win the game either on defense or offense, they've been able to pull those things out. And I do think, as you pointed out, that is going to pay big dividends as you get later into the season. Absolutely. Uh, something the Colts definitely need to clean up was penalties. <laughs> but, you know, Yassin had half of them, but still the Colts had 10 penalties on the day for 103 yards, both season highs. Coming into the game, the Colts were one of the least penalized teams in the NFL. They only had 33 penalties for 200 44 yards, and a lot of those came on week one sloppy game against yes, San Diego. Yep, that was a sloppy game against against the Chargers. Los Angeles Super Chargers. That's right. Um, you know, thoughts and prayers for all those out there dealing with the fires in that area. But um, the Colts definitely, uh, that'll definitely drive their coach crazy, and I'm sure that'll be a point of emphasis this week um, during practice as they prepare for the Pittsburgh Steelers. On the injury front, rookie safety Kari Willis left the game in the third quarter um, and did not return. So we'll have to see what the deal is with him throughout the week. Hopefully that was just a minor thing and it won't keep him out too long because he has certainly been valuable to the team this year. Um, before we get to game awards, one last thing, I one last point I kind of wanted to make about the Colts and their win. We've seen him do it, grinding it out in these low-scoring, limited possession, kind of run-the-ball, do-enough type games. We've seen Jacoby Brissett 
you know, like against Houston, the 300 plus yards and four touchdowns. I guess the next step, the next check mark you would want to see out of this team is let's see you do both in the same week. <laughs> it would be nice, wouldn't it? Exactly. You know, I've, they haven't done both of the same week. They've never had the running game and passing game going at the same time yet. So I guess that would be the next step in an offense that's kind of growing as the season goes along. Yeah, I would I would like to see that. Um what I do like, and I mentioned this last week, is even when they didn't have a particularly effective running game, game last week, they stuck with it. This week, you know, they, they had, I think, 31-some carries. They had more carries uh, on the ground than they did passing attempts. Uh, but And they, they did have some limited success, but they just weren't able, because they couldn't pass the ball that well, they were never, never able to really sustain the run game where, you know, okay, yeah, we do get and maybe, uh, maybe we get a couple carries in, but we need to pick up a third and four, and we can't pick that up in the passing game. So that kind of brings that drive to a, a halt. So that would be nice um, if, as you said, if they could just kind of put it together and just kind of have a, an offense that is uh, dynamic and balanced and not leaning one way or the other real heavy with being effective from week to week. Absolutely. Um, players of the game, uh, I guess I'll go first with offensive player of the game. By default, I guess I'll go with Marlon Mack. Um, 90 yards from scrimmage, only touchdown of the game. He, I mean, unless you want to give it to Brissett or somebody for that one play, I think he really put best the best performance of the week. Yours is the same pick. Um, you know, if you're looking at the game and being objective about it, that that's because that's the guy that did it for four quarters. Uh, I'm going to go with Brissett just because I don't know how I don't know who else you would you would give it to. Mac had a good game and he he had the touchdown, he had the the 90 yards from scrimmage like you said, but the play that Brissett made at the end, uh, I, I, inconceivable. I mean, it, it's it was up there with the Eli Manning escapes in the Super Bowl and, and that sort of thing. Uh, I know it's a smaller scale. We're talking a regular season game against the Denver Broncos team that's not very good. But when the Colts need to play, they got it from Jacoby Brissett, so he's he's my player of the game. And, I mean, that that's legitimate as well because a lot of quarterbacks in that situation, you're not having a lot of success. There's not a lot open between the secondary of Denver doing a good job and the pass rush getting to Brissett. A lot of quarterbacks in that situation would start forcing balls and trying to make something happen. I thought Brissett, he, he's not going to get a lot of praise for this, but he didn't turn the ball over. Um, and he, he, he did what he needed to do. He said, okay, we'll live another play series after series because, you know, say the Colts do throw an, an interception or two in that game, Broncos win that football game because it, it kind of came down to which team was going to make the grand mistake. Neither team did, and Brissett made the play. And it, it's funny because, I mean, the Colts lost the turn, turnover battle in this game. He did have that one fumble. Uh, near midfield. The fumble, I'm sorry. Um, he didn't throw the interception. But I know what you, you, you were saying that in the big moment where he had it, he didn't just give the ball up. Yeah, he wasn't forcing passes into players who really weren't open. He he, he really took what was there. Um, excuse me, he did have the fumble, but even that was him. You know, he had like two guys on him, and he was trying to just... He was under pressure all game he, long. He was. So, I, I think he had gotten the snap, and he was already kind of looking downfield, and he sort of sensed the pressure, and he never really— He was stepping up, almost it, like he was going to run. Yeah, I couldn't quite—didn't get it cleanly, and then couldn't quite pounce on the ball. Um, but, like, his decision-making uh, was greatness, was solid in this game, because there were some 
there were some chances out there uh, for the Broncos to maybe pick off a pass here or there, but they were few and far between. Absolutely. So I guess that was more of what I'm trying to allude to is his decision-making was spot on. He didn't get impatient when a lot of other quarterbacks would. Um, he didn't try to you know throw it across his body over the middle of the field or any stupid thing like that. Exactly. Um, defensive player of the game, uh, how can you not go with Darius Leonard? I mean, he had the sack, another 10 tackles. The two tackles for a loss. I mean, I have a feeling he's going to be defensive player of the game more times than not this season. Absolutely, and uh, just for the, I'm not trying to be a contrarian. Just (laughs) we don't, we try to, if we can, try to pick out different guys. So um, I was just going to go with Ben Banigou. Um, The stat line's not great. Um, I don't think he was even credited with any tackles, just the sack. Um, But the the thing is, the sack reminded me of the old Robert Mathis. Sack and strip at the end of the game that, that just finally deflates your opponent. And with Ture being out, the Colts really need to get an, another outside rusher into it. And I thought Banigou got into the backfield quite a few times yesterday. Had a couple of hits. Uh, didn't always get to Flacco, but I felt like he harassed him. I felt like the Colts really needed that. And then it kind of put the exclamation point on at the end of the game. And I, I know the Colts didn't recover the fumble, but it didn't really matter because uh, the time time ran out. And I was also going to bring up, uh, that, that reminds me, the... Um, uh, you know, Denver never really got much going on that. They had two more throws. I know there was 22 seconds left, so there's not a whole lot in the playbook for trying to get that. But they had so many pass interference penalties against the Colts. I just can't believe that they never got a pass downfield uh, during those last couple of throws. You think last at very plays. least they would just send Sutton deep, throw one up, and hope you send got another yeah, penalty? Yeah, because if you get a 20 or 30 yard penalty, then you know you're you, you probably can you have a shot at a field goal. Yeah, uh, and then they had also kind of wasted their timeouts I felt like um they they called the one timeout because they said the battery was dead in the the speaker the you know uh, the oh, auditory the system the headset for for Flacco uh they had a guy go down with uh, under two minutes left the clock was running when the Colts had the ball had a guy go down with an injury and so they had to use a timeout there and then they used a timeout uh before the the field goal uh that Vinatieri kicked at the end of the game and in I guess they were doing that to get their field block, uh, field goal blocking unit out there or whatever, but you needed those timeouts, and I didn't think that you necessarily needed to use one in that situation. That was an interesting kind of call at the end of the game. Um, you know, I heard somebody make the point why, because I believe the Colts were out of timeouts by yes. then. So I heard somebody make the point, why not make the Colts run their field goal team out on the field instead of taking the timeout and giving them all the time they need? On the other hand, you take the timeout so the Colts don't run the clock out, and that kick is the last play of the game. So it kind of goes both ways. Um, ended up working out in the Colts' benefit. Don't look now, but the Colts are second in the AFC playoff seeding. Obviously, the 8-0 Patriots are number one. Colts 5-2, and two, and they own the tiebreaker against the Baltimore Ravens um, because they have a better record in the conference. Colts are 4-2 and two in the conference. Um, other teams in the hunt, the Bills at five and two, the Chiefs at five and three, and Texans at five and three. Speaking of the Texans, um, they beat the Raiders this week. The AFC South um, is pretty close. No losing teams right now. Um, Deshaun Watson is just insane. I mean, he he's got to be maybe the front runner for MVP. I think him and Russell Wilson are really the top two right now. He goes 27 of 39 for 279 yards, three 
passing touchdowns and another 46 rushing yards. Uh, the big news to come out of that game, though, was J.J. Watt is out for the season once again with a torn peck. He has now finished the year on IR three out of the last four seasons. That um, That's not good for a player who's had a lot of injuries the last few years. And, you know, three Defensive Player of the Year awards, really a Hall of Famer. You hate to see him kind of see the injuries add up at the end of his career. It really does stink when that guy gets when a guy gets hit by the injury bug. And it just seems to be happening over and over again. And it's been different injuries, too. It's not been one nagging thing that's been over and over for him. Um, and I, I watched a good portion of that Oakland and Texans game yesterday. And, you know, he kind of made a tackle. And, he, and then, he, then he got up, and his, his left arm looked like it was a little bit uh, – he's had a little trouble with it. And so he, he ran off uh, to the locker room, like, with four minutes, four or five minutes left in the, in the half – and you're thinking, ah, hopefully this isn't anything big, maybe just a shoulder stinger or something like that, mm-hmm. like like Autry had for the Colts. And uh, unfortunately, uh, torn pectora, I saw that, and I'm like, that is just – because while it might make it easier for the, for the Colts when uh, the Texans don't have a premier defensive player, J.J. Watt's, J.J. Watt's so good. Yeah. And he is like the heart and soul of that defense there, and you just – you hate to to not have one of the best players in football to be able to be out there and be playing every week. Yeah, absolutely. You you kind of wonder if maybe a man that size, that athletic, his body just can't hold just can't up do it anymore. anymore. Yeah. And then you you saw obviously the the insane touchdown pass that Deshaun Watson uh, threw last week, and that's why a lot of Texans fans were upset that they called him in the grasp last week for the Colts because he made oh, yeah. the, they made a similar play last week. Yeah, very uh, similar. But, but they whistled that one dead. It would have been a touchdown. Uh, to Deshaun Hopkins, but they didn't whistle this one, and it goes uh, for a big touchdown for Houston. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a good point there. Um, Moving on the rest of the AFC South, Titans beat the Buccaneers. Ryan Tannehill getting it done. Three touchdown passes. He went 21 of 33 for a buck 93. Um, I mean, I think the job is his at this point for the rest of the year, unless he gets hurt or really puts up a couple stinkers in a row. But it'll be interesting when the Colts face the Titans again to see um, a different face out there taking snaps um, behind center. I mean, those numbers aren't big, but it looks like there's not a lot of mistakes there. You know, I didn't get to see that game, so I don't really know. But um, the fact that they, they got da- they got up in that game, then they got down and they came back and they won it. So. They won 23-27. to 27. I think the difference is um, none of his touchdown passes were very long. They're all short ones. The Buccaneers, believe it or not, have one of the better run defenses in the NFL. And I think Tannehill was the difference in that game, being able to pass those um, touchdowns in close quarters like that where Mariota might not have been able to because the chances of the Titans running it in were not great against that Buccaneers front. So that really won them a game coming away with touchdowns in the red zone instead of field goals. Last, but maybe not least, we'll see how the season ends up. <laughs> the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the lowly Jets 29-15. to um, Sam Darnold is still seeing ghosts. Yep, still seeing dead people. Three interceptions. Did you see they played the uh, Ghostbuster song for <laughs> Darnold? <at> the <laughs> I saw that the ghost, uh, they had the Jaguar uh, dressed as a ghost running out of the tunnel. <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty funny there. Gardner Minshew continues to make a case to remain the starter, even when Nick Foles returns. He completed 22 of 34 passes for 
279 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, all quarterbacks in the AFC South, aside from Brissett, putting up three touchdown passes at home this past week. It's certainly an interesting division. Titans and Jags 4-4, four and four, the Texans at 5-3. and three. The Colts are going to have to continue to win if they hope to win this division because it is competitive. Well, it's funny because a couple of weeks ago we were like, boy, this division is mediocrity defined, but uh, the Titans made a change. Uh I think Minshew has really got it for the for the Jags, uh, and we just know, we just know that the Texans, with their their star power that they have and their firepower on offense, are always going to be in it. So you're you're absolutely right. Yeah, the Colts have got to keep it going. It would have, it just would have been such a, a downer for the Colts to have uh, beaten the Chiefs in a game nobody expected them to win, uh, to beat Houston to take control of the division, and then to just give it back the next week by losing to the Broncos. Uh, they were able to avert that, uh, but this division. Uh, it's. I mean, the Colts have a, a little bit of a lead right now, but it's going to be anybody's for the taking uh, because all these teams have games against each other still, and you know, it's. I think it's one of those divisions where you know maybe nine and seven, ten and six may win the division because they're going to beat up on each other. Yeah, and I think that all these teams are going to remain competitive because they all have good defenses. Um, in terms of a points allowed, Houston is the worst out of all of them, but they have Deshaun Watson. So like you said, an MVP caliber quarterback is going to keep you in the game. Uh, quick look here, Jacksonville Jaguars rank 11th, only allowing 20.4 points a game. Titans fourth best, 16.9. Um, Houston, 23.5 points per game is what they're allowing. So, you know what? Uh, these defenses, and that's not always something you could say about the AFC South, but all the defenses are keeping their games, keeping their teams in the game. So, and depending upon which metric you use, if you look at you know total points given up so far, I know the Colts are in the top ten. I think they're tied for ninth. If you look at points given up per game, I think the Colts are still in the top fifteen. They're not quite in the top ten, but the Colts' defense is no slouch either. So, no. you, you know, they they actually have uh, some good defenses in this division and. You know, I, I think the Colts can. They've just got to keep winning, and, and they've got. They, as we talked about last week, they've got a schedule here, where obviously they need to do better and show up um, for all these games. None of them are gimmies, but they've got a chance to kind of get a nice little string of wins going before they have to play the Texans again. Yeah, yeah. It, it, they have an opportunity over the next several games. They get the Steelers, which will. Talk about Thursday when Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths join us. Um, they got the Dolphins. Maybe that's a game where the passing game or running game gets... Maybe they'll get them synced. <laughs> yeah, get them synced at the same time. Um, and then they got three straight division games against the Jags, Texans, and Titans. Um, so really some big opportunities for the Colts down the stretch here. Um, you know, this game... It, against the Broncos really felt like the Oakland game where they played down to the competition. The only difference was when they had a chance to make up for it and win the game at the end, they did it. Um, so any last thoughts here on the podcast? Well, I just, you know, the fact that Vinatieri missed a 45 yard field goal and then what is it a 33 yard extra point? Yeah. And, and neither of them were close. One was off to the right. One was off to the well, left the field. goal, He just shanked it. Yeah. It, it just went straight to the right. Um, and then he comes back with a 55-yarder and a 51-yarder. Two 50-yard-plus field goals. And um, that 51-yarder, I mean, as soon as it went, as soon as he kicked, you just knew that was good. Yeah. And it was just like, 
man, we could have avoided a lot of uh, drama and cardiac arrest if we could have just hit those other kicks. But you know what? He nailed the ones that he needed to. It's almost like the easy ones are too boring for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he needs a little bit of a little bit of something to spice it up to get him going to hit it. Um, well, like I said, that'll do it today for the Colts Blue Zone podcast. But we will be back Thursday. Uh, myself, Mike Chapel, and Dave Griffiths will preview the Colts matchup in Pittsburgh against the Steelers team who plays tonight against the Dolphins. Um, so. Tonight on Monday Night Football, Colts fans have a chance to watch two upcoming opponents. And um, you know what? Maybe something crazy will happen and the Dolphins will win. Who knows? <laughs> that would be. I mean, just we, we talked about them last week. It's just like not even a competitive football It'll team. It'll go against everything they're trying to accomplish this season in securing <laughs> the number one overall pick. They can't even feel right. Exactly. <laughs> that, that'd be funny to see. Well, that'll do it here. I am Joe Hopkins. With me is Matt Adams. You can follow the Colts Blue Zone on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. You can follow me at Roto Street Joe. Um, you're at Statomatty, correct? Correct. S T A T O M A T T Y at Statomatty. One day I'll actually tweet about Colts football. You can uh, y- you can spell pretty fast there. And that will do it today. Everybody have a great Monday. <laughs>